Mindfulness Mode 507. I was like deciding between do I drive my car into a tree and end everything or do I go and get help? Hey, welcome to Mindfulness Mode. I'm Bruce Langford, your Mindfulness Mode host and Mindfulness Life Coach. Hey, I have a free meditation I've created for you, Mindful Tribe, and it can help you be more focused. It can help you get more of the things done in your life that truly matter. This is called Waves of Content. So go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash waves of content. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's interview with Julie Riesler. Hey, Mindful Tribe, it's so great to be here today because I have with me a very talented woman and she's got a wonderful book, she's got a terrific podcast, and a little something else about her, she's an empath. And we're going to be talking about that today. So I have Julie Riesler with me today. Hey, Julie, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am so in mindfulness mode. I couldn't be more so. I'm ready. Fantastic. That's great. Julie Riesler is the founder and CEO of Empowered Living, a life design and personal development company. And she facilitates retreats, workshops, masterminds, summits. She just wants to help people far and wide in every way she can. She's so big hearted and she works with other big hearted people as well. She's the author of a fantastic book and I highly recommend it. It's called Get a PhD in You. And it's not only a book, it's a book series. So how cool is that? Uh, it's it's really great that she's doing that and, and got this series. But she's also a multi-time TEDx speaker. And she's the host of a podcast with a very cool name. <laughs> the name of it is The You Asked You Podcast. So U-E-S-T-U Podcast. I really like that name. She's a meditation teacher, and she has meditations on Insight Timer with over 110,000 downloads. So that's quite an accomplishment. She has a master's degree in coaching and certificates in mindset and well-being. And she's got so much going on. She's on the faculty of Georgetown University in their coaching program. And you're going to find out how passionate Julie is as we talk about all this. So let's start with your passion for mindfulness. What does mindfulness mean to you, Julie? Woo, I'm so excited right now. That's one of my favorite topics. And I want to say, because I think it's important to say this, Bruce, that there was a lot of time where I was not in a very mindful place. Mm. To me, you know, there's a lot of words being thrown out there. And of course, meditation, stillness, to me, it's really being, it's being present It's the quality of my attention, the ability to be present with who I am, with my inner wisdom. It's a way of being. It has nothing to do with doing. To me, it's a way of being. And we can unpack that, but it is something that I have been cultivating and developing for a long time. And it's probably one of the most uh, important keys to what has changed my life. No question. Julie, when did you find out you were an empath? Have you always known this? Oh, boy. Well... I did not know it in terms of like knowing the term, the way that it showed up for me, like many of us, probably those listening, I'm an, I'm an experiential learner. So what happened is as far as I can remember, I've always been um, extremely 
what's the word? I, I love people. I feel people. I love connecting with people, but I also am very sensitive. I can, I can around uh, energy, around lighting, around, I would have friends that I, I wouldn't go to their homes or I would depending on, and I had no reason. I didn't understand this when I was younger. I could sense things about people, what they were feeling, what they were thinking around events that were going to happen. Like I just, I didn't understand. I thought that was kind of just, everyone did that until I realized, um, that's not the case. And I think for me, a lot of times, um, it was a lot to carry that. Um, I have a dad who is still here. He's doing really well, but he struggled with PTSD. He bipolar depression. And this is years ago when we didn't have those words, he was a Vietnam veteran and struggled a lot with worthiness. And I could like read him and read his energy and, you know, at like four and five, and I could feel the tension between him and my mom and the just there was a lot of that tension, even though they were very loving to me. And I think for me, the way that I best dealt with that sensitivity is I blocked it by using food. You know, when you use a substance like sugar or alcohol or drugs, it blocks your intuition. It blocks that sensitivity. And that helped. I mean, I use that as a coping mechanism. It took years to really, to be able to feel grateful for that. Cause I then had to do some work around that addiction and, and recovery. And that's been one of the reasons how I've gotten into mindfulness, frankly, but the empath word, I actually recently interviewed one of the leading experts and I had done a session with Dr. Judith Orloff and we were speaking and she was like, you are high, high empath, like physical empath. And I was, I, it just, a light bulb went off like, Oh my God, this is why my body, like my very, very in tune. I, I, you know, we have five senses, but there are more. And I can tell you that um, it just put pieces together. And today it's a gift. However, it's something that I'm very, uh, I respect and I take excellent care of myself so that I can function in the world. I'm also extroverted. So extroverted empath is like a whole other, it's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, your book is absolutely fantastic. It really is. And I just wondered, uh, when did you decide that you were going to put together this book and what was your focus? And I just want to know more about your steps toward making it reality. Yeah. The quick overview, it's important to say this. I talked about the food addiction and using that to block my sensitivity. And it was about 2003. I had a decision at the time. It was like, a real dark night of the soul. I was um, married at the time to somebody else and I was really not in a, in a good spot with myself or with that person or really within me. And I, I remember I had found out about a support group for overeating and binging and food addiction. And I was like deciding between, do I drive my car into a tree and end everything or do I go and get help? And it like still chokes me up because it was... Um, it was, I mean, I really was in that space, you know, and now I'm in a different, a whole different realm, but, and that was the beginning of really excavating myself. I did go to the meeting, thankfully, and I started really connecting to my heart, my higher self. And what happened was, I mean, this is, you know, over almost 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, as I began to unpack me and my inner wisdom, and I started to build that muscle and faith and trust in it, I did a lot of work. I mean, thousands of hours of therapy and counseling and sponsors and support group. And I mean, so there was a day about 10 years ago, I went to, um, my sister's a recovering alcoholic. She's very open about it. And I went to a support group for families and I came out of it and I was with a friend and I just, it was this peaceful moment. And I it was like May, end of May. And I just remember thinking, feeling, wow, I really, it's the first time I feel so 
peaceful in myself. Like I, there's no, nothing going on in my head. I'm just, and I said to her, I go, you know what? I feel like I just got a PhD in myself. I literally feel like what I just did over the last 12 years is I got a PhD in myself and a light bulb went off. I had, I didn't forget that. And I started my business about five years ago and it was about a year of hearing this inner knowing wisdom voice saying, Julie, you need to write a book, you need to write a book. And I thought, well, who am I to write a book? I'm not a great writer. I love to speak, but like I always was told I was too flowery. So I'm not going to write a book until it was so loud. And I met a friend who'd written a book and showed me in like one minute what I could do with a mind map that looks like a flower. And my, my beautiful right brain, which is very creative, loved it. And so what came to me was, oh my God, I could create a book that puts like 12 years of 50 grand of therapy and support groups and everything I've done um, in a book to help people like my younger self. And um, it became this like, this project of love. I just would, um, I would light a candle. I actually hand wrote my first book, hand wrote the whole thing. Wow. Yeah, I don't recommend it. But, um, and I wrote it in a very interesting, not typical way. I wrote it, I, it's hard to explain, but I took paper and I created bubbles. Everything was written in bubbles. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do the lines. Like it just, my brain is not, I don't think linear in a linear way. So I literally, it looks like clouds, like three clouds on a page. And I, um, I had to do it a certain way. Maybe someday I'll teach it because there might be others like me that are really creative and not. It, it just allowed me, um, I mapped it out and I would just meditate and imagine speaking to my younger self or who I'd be coaching. And I wrote it that way. Wow, that's fascinating. I'm sure there are many other people like that. Yeah. Have you always been artistic in other ways too, like with music or art or anything else? It's a great question. You know, yes. And I think I underplayed it. I grew up in a very high intellectual area. I grew up outside of Boston. Literally everyone was like child of somebody was at MIT or Harvard or Tufts or, I mean, it was a, my public school. I joke, like I was the only one out of 20 that didn't go to a Ivy league school. It was just very intellectualized. And I was extremely artistic since day one. I mean, I've, my mom still has these paintings. I did a first grade that are actually, I'm like, well, that's really good. That's not a first grader. Like I, I didn't know is my expression. And so we have a lot of musical. My mom was an opera singer. We have a lot of musical people. And honestly, Bruce, I dismiss this because it wasn't what was valued. I mm. mean, I remember drawing for the newspaper. I did all their calendars and I did a lot of announcements and speaking, but yeah, it wasn't until later. And it's still even going on now where I'm like, oh, I'm just a really creative person. I don't think like you know, in, in a logical way. I just, I have people in my life who are logical so they can help me. Well, it's very clear how creative you are. As I read your book, you know, that just comes right across. Let's yeah. talk about heart wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. Heart wisdom. So tell us about that for those of us out here who may not have heard of heart wisdom before. It's a great, such a, I'm so glad you asked that. Well, I look, we know, and I could ask everybody, if you, if you ask yourself, has there been a time Time when you've had this knowing or sense or feeling, often we think of it as our gut. You felt it in your heart or in your body, or you've heard a voice where you just knew something or knew not to do something or to go ahead and to try something for, for no other reason other than you just had this sense. And recently I've had the good fortune of being able to do some facilitating can, uh, work with HeartMath, which is an incredible organization that has actually studied this for the last 40 years. They've studied heart intelligence as a thing. It's a real thing. There is, there are over 40,000 sensory neurites in your heart. I'm not going to do it justice, but what I understand is that literally your heart is unlike your brain, which is a polar organ, meaning 
you know, when you ask it a question, you know, it's meant to, it's meant to search for answers and give you yes, no, right, wrong. Your heart is a different entity. It's a, it's an organ that is, has its own intelligence that when you ask it questions, it has intelligence that it's not going to give you yes or no. It's going to give you wisdom. And so I've known this intuitively, but to learn the science behind it and, and learning it, um, gives a lot of credibility to know there's actual research um, and it's a thing. And so I do a lot around that, unlocking it, connecting to it. It's really what I've been doing on my own and now having some more practices put in place. Um, I've worked with a lot of clients and people because I do believe the, the treasure box that we're all gifted as a human being, like really that superpower treasure that we all have the key to is, is in that heart intelligence, in our, in our intuition. Well, I'm so glad we're talking about this because, you know, you know, in our society, everybody thinks, okay, all of the knowledge, all of that, that learned information is in our brain. And of course, that's just not true. Uh, Our cells can actually learn information and hold information as well as the cells in our heart. And it's pretty fantastic how our heart can communicate with our brain and with other parts of our body and that scientists are discovering it. And like you said, heart math has been around for 40 years. It's not even new. It's been around. Exactly. Exactly. Even the work with your gut intelligence and gut is a a second brain. There's, there's just so much more. Um, and I think, I think, look, that I think of it as this way, the, to me, like your heart is the king or the queen and then your mind or your brain, it's like the, the knight or in the court it's to honor and serve your heart. Um, that was a big shift that I had in the last few years. Um, I listen, I mean, I have a brain and a mind and I, I let it serve me, but it, it, I really have made a practice and I've seen incredible shifts, miraculous manifestations in my life when I'm really honoring this intelligence. Well, let's talk about being enough. When you begin coaching people, how quickly can you tell whether that person is feeling this emptiness, feeling this, this feeling as though they are not enough? Well, I would say, um, the majority I can tell right away. Um, I can tell right away for a few reasons. I can tell in language and speaking, I can tell in, uh, tone and connection and energy. Um, and I can tell by the way they're speaking, you know, stories and speaking of who they are today and what they want to create and and their past. And this is one of those topics, um, that I, I am so passionate about probably because I did so much life in the lane of not enough and, and worthiness issues. Um, one of the things I just like many of us, I hope and pray to be able to do in my lifetime is to help as many human beings as possible, including myself in there, um, to get that, that you are enough, um, that you really, truly are. You are literally, if you didn't do anything today, if you just, because of who you're being, because you're human and you're here, that's enough. But that is, that is counterculture right now. Um, I think we're working to change that. Um, but most of my clients struggle with that. That's one of the areas we go to immediately is, and I think it's connected to, um, to really honoring and, and loving yourself um, fully and, and, and realizing you're deserving, um, worthy, that, that seeps into so many areas. Well, let's talk about clearing energy. Now, Mindful Tribe, you've heard us talk about this on the show before, but Julie is an expert at this, at clearing energy that is not serving us. How can we do that or how can we seek help in that area? 
Okay. So I've got a few different ways to do this. Um, and I'm going to try to appeal to those that like something tangible. Um, I'm going to try to appeal to those that if you're in the car, you can do this. Um, and for those of my meditators that are open to kind of, um, adding to their practice. So a great way, this is not, you know, I've learned this, I've, I've worked with other, frankly, others, um, healers, shamans, those that are really into, um, the metaphysical world, the world of mindfulness to try to, it's a thing, you know, we are all made of energy and frankly, um, especially as an empath, if anyone's listening, they're an empath or sensitive, it's very easy to take on people's energy. So one thing I would recommend doing is the morning, you know, even if you're not a big meditator, if you can create some stillness, even if it's for three minutes, um, get yourself quiet, picture yourself. I like the idea of imagining yourself either in, I like to think of it like a tree that's surrounding me. Um, it could be a golden, it could be an actual tree. Um, and, and you are just allowing yourself to be held by that. And the roots are, are going into the earth, down to the mother earth's heart center, um, wrapping around, coming back up. And then imagining from the top, you know, from the sun, from the heavens, this, this light and energy coming down into you. So you ground yourself, you clear yourself. Um, another thing you can do is imagine just a bubble of, of light any color that speaks to you, mine's usually golden, like a golden bubble. And, you know, I go out into the world with that bubble around me. It helps me. So when I'm around, you know, there's some negative energy out there. Let's be honest. I mean, even in the supermarket, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of people that are just, that are yeah. frankly in fear and doubt. And I understand it, you know, and overwhelm and stress. And so I don't want to pick that up because it's just not what I want. So that's one great way is put yourself in this bubble. It's a little bit of a kind of picturing it and meditating around that. Another great thing to do to clear your energy, honestly, is take a shower or get in water. Go swimming, get in a bath, get in a shower. It's very physical. Um, water helps to just literally release negative energy or energy that's not yours. Another thing to do if you are into the whole idea of using, I love burning Palo Santo or sage. Um, I have it here all the time on my desk. I have a bag of it. I have sage everywhere. Um, I used to think like, oh, that's funny. It's nice. I like how it smells. Um, I have actually noticed a difference. And I, I know people that can actually measure energy in the house. And I worked with someone who's an expert in feng shui and energy this, this summer. And it was absolutely incredible. The before and after we did a lot of energy clearing. Um, it's just trusting. You can't see it, but you can feel it. So when you... And, and I always like to have an intention to put my hand on my heart and have an intention when I'm using something like that. Um, holding a crystal. If you can't find a crystal, find a rock mm -hmm. and just hold it, feel the energy of the earth. That's a great way to do clearing. The other, the other last way, I always think when in doubt, put your hand on your heart um, and just breathe in your own heart energy and imagine as you're breathing out that you're exhaling anything that is just really, that is not yours that you don't want. Um, you know, I've, I, I, I have a mom who's a lover. She's got a lot of anxiety, um, you know, a lot of anxiety and um, not always grounded in her body. And so, you know, it's something I have to practice because I can see when I am around her um, and I have a tracker from HeartMath that's called, uh, it's you put on your ear and you can track your heart coherence. I tend to go out of coherence around her. So for me to clear myself before um, and then while I'm with her and then after, I actually have to do all three things just where I am right now. In I uh, get a PhD in you, you shared so many stories and it was what really brought the book home and it made it all come alive. What was the toughest story you shared in your book, Julie? 
Oh boy. Well, I'd say there are two. One, you know, talking about my food addiction and, uh, you know, the guys that said I was nasty and, and being uncomfortable with my body and myself and binging and eating in secret. It's kind of like, I've said that so many times now. I'm, I, it, it doesn't have really shame or weight. It just feels like I am I, here to share it so I can help people that are in the dark with that. I think actually the hardest thing for me, and I didn't go into it and probably will in my next book was um, the real wake up call I had around being in this marriage that was not the right fit for me. I have two children with my first husband. Um, I The last thing in the world I want to do is hurt anybody. Um, and I think probably what I will do in my next book is to go deeper because it was actually my intuition that woke me up. I didn't go so deep into that because I just wasn't there at that place. Um, but there's a lot around that situation that was a real wake-up call for me. Um, and I think it actually saved my life to leave there. Not that there was anything horrible. Um, there are probably others that can understand it wasn't energetically a good fit. And, you know, again, this is the non-tangible. Like we live in a world that so values intellect. And for me, it was a turning point to trust my intuition. I mean, it was a major thing to, to leave, you know, I had two kids under the age of three. Mm. Um, and so I think that story, which I got a little bit into, uh, it, it, it was um, a little scary for me, but I felt like it was important to, um, to at least begin sharing about that so I could help others. Julie, what have you learned from your children about living a mindful life? Oh my gosh, such a good question. Um, just the, I'm thinking of my son, I have a daughter and a son, the, the presence, the curiosity, the, um, you know, my son just is constantly in the state of now and curious and asking questions. And he thinks infinite possibility. That's his, his way of being. And I'm wired like that. However, you know, I'm in my forties and I, I have to watch myself to, when I put the lid on things, there's no lid for him. There's no lid. He's just, he is present to this universe being infinite and what's possible. I mean, anything is possible with him. Um, and I think with my daughter, she's, my daughter is a lot more concrete, but with that comes this just being in right now. She's not as much of a visionary future thinker, but she's very in right now what's happening. Um, it just being around both of them. It's such a, it's, it, it, they're such teachers. They're so, such teachers all the time. And speaking about teachers, you are such a fantastic teacher of meditation and you've had over a hundred thousand downloads on Insight Timer. Tell us about that, how you were moved to start teaching meditation. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> the quick, the quick story on that is, um, I was in a master's degree program where we were studying mind-body science. We had to meditate about nine years ago, my professor pulled me aside. I, I had a very hard time sitting still at that time. And she said, Julie, I don't think I've met anyone who is so type A and not able to sit still. She goes, this is actually, this is going to help you in every way. And I think it's going to help your health. And I had just had an autoimmune breakdown in my thyroid. And so I was like, all right, I'll try anything. And I got to tell you, it changed my life. And I started with 30 seconds, Bruce, 30 seconds is wow. what I started with. Wow. It's all I could do. I mean, yeah. I'm not who I am today. I really, it was really hard for me. And I still, my mind still wanders. It's not like every meditation session is like free and clear and peaceful. No, um, but I still do it because it's, it's powerful. It's changed my life. I was part of a um, 
business coaching mastermind and, and didn't want to go out with everyone drinking. And there were about five of us sitting on a rock. This is in Austin. And I just said, you know, you guys, do you want to do a meditation? And the long short of it is I, for the first time, allowed myself to verbalize what I've been doing in, in my head. And I finished, no one said anything. And I was like, oh crap, I don't think that was so great. And everybody there was like, what just happened? Like, you got to do that. That was incredible. And so funny enough, the, the app that I got on insight timer was the one that I'd been using. And my friend who was there happened to have a best friend who had just gotten his meditations there. So he connected me to the, the director of it. And, um, I can't even explain or express the gratitude I have. I mean, now there's probably 15 meditations and three courses on there. And I just keep putting more and more up there. It's an incredible app. I've interviewed the CEO actually, because I just, this model is so brilliant and it's, free and it's, um, you know, crowdsources, you just have all these, these, these instructors on there. Um, but it's allowed me to share and it's a gift because this is what has, you know, mindfulness meditation has changed my life. It's also, it's affected my health positively. My, there's no way I would be in this kind of health, um, without that major shift. No question. Julie, uh, you mentioned in your book about being a people pleaser. Um, how did you overcome that? Well, here's what I would say. I would say that I'm a recovering people pleaser. Um, I would say that I had a master's degree in that. <laughs> I am as an empath and a highly sensitive person. Um, I'm exceptionally good at intuiting into people. And so, um, you know, wanting to be liked is a very natural human tendency. Sure. Most of us want to be liked, um, unless maybe there's <laughs> some sort of <laughs> maybe, um, you know, what would I say? Like, unless you don't, but most people do really want to be liked. And so I was really, that was like a, it was like a superpower that I was using for the, not for the good. Cause it affected me. I wasn't being myself. Um, I think doing the work of unpacking this, when I started doing the recovery work around my food addiction and started to really look at how to love and connect with me. And that's why this idea of being your USG, my me me is so powerful because Honestly, had I stayed in the people pleaser lane, I would have missed it. And that's what happens is if we're, if we're trying to be somebody else or be who others want us to be, um, you never get to fully experience and express as yourself, as your, as your divine self. And so I just started doing the work and it was bit by bit. It was really not easy for me. I still am. I'm still working through this. I, my instinct is like peace, harmony, love, and like everyone get along and for you to like me. But I'll tell you right now, I'm in a situation... And it's great. I'm learning to, again, once again, in the new way, how to just have boundaries and to be clear in who I am and just know if someone doesn't like it or they don't like me, that is just, that is okay. Not, not everyone has to, and that's okay. I, you know, it, not every, we don't all vie with everybody. And I think getting that respect and understanding, A, for myself and that it's okay. Um, look, with my, with my book, I, I've got mostly amazing reviews. There were one or two reviews that were really hurtful. Um, and I, and I had to look at that and say, that's okay. You know, that person doesn't seem to want to be into personal development in this way. That's fine. Um, and just trusting that those that I'm supposed to connect with and attract and help and serve, they'll be there. And the same for me with others and not everyone, I don't vibe with everybody and that's okay too. So it's been a, it's been a slow, slow journey. Um, I would say I, I just, most of my life I'm in the lane of, um, you know, self-acceptance and compassion and respect of myself. Um, but it creeps up and I'm just aware, at least today, I don't, I'm not crappy to myself about it. 
<laughs> That's great. I want to ask you a question about bullying. Were you ever a bully or were you ever bullied? I always ask this because I've worked in this field for quite some time. Do you have a story where mindfulness maybe would have made a difference? Wow. Well, yes, that is one of the awarenesses I've had actually to be very, very frank and vulnerable. I'm talking like the last two months, I have realized that the pattern of bullying started early. And I, I love my parents. I love my dad. He was just so miserable in himself and was, you know, my mom highly anxious. It was an easy target. So I saw my dad being a bully to my mom. I would say more verbally thankful. I mean, not, not, not physically, but verbally, it's still, it doesn't matter. I, you know, I can't even hear myself verbally, physically, it might not have been physical, but again, it was still very harmful. It was harmful for me and my sister to see that harmful for my mom. And I translated that into a marriage where I married someone who, you know, I would say teetered on the line of bullying me. And I, I co-created that. I allowed for that. I saw him as better than I put him on a pedestal. I just recreated what I saw in my parents' relationship. And so I allowed for that. And to be honest, it's only recent that I really woke up and saw, you know, this is almost 10 years, I'm not married. And again, he's a great dad and he's a good person, but we did this dance and I, it hit me. I've allowed him to be that way to me. Mm -hmm. And I saw it with somebody I'd worked with in my business um, that I had worked with and hired. And I realized that person had been a bully it's funny how I start to notice it. And, um, you know, I'm not working with that person anymore, but with my former, my ex-husband, the great news is I just, I saw it and I've done enough work within myself and enough respect and love for myself that I've just shifted my way of being. And it's like, no more, that's not working. So yeah, I definitely, um, I don't think I've bullied somebody. I think, well, no, no, no. I've bullied myself. That's where I've been a bully for sure. I did it. So a lot of what I experienced was inverted. I definitely was a bully to myself. I really was. I was not nice for a long time and berated and, you know, self-loathing. And um, yeah, no, that's a great question. And it's really recent that I've seen where that was. And I'm grateful that that's been revealed. I think I must be ready right now to deal with it. It's very powerful. And I feel much freer now. It's funny. It's amazing when you finally see the effects of that. I don't know if that makes sense. It's the first time I've talked about it publicly. So Thanks for asking. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. And I think that a lot of people do that to themselves and don't even realize they're doing it. And, yeah. you know, like you talked about how you first realized that you were kind of reenacting a life that your parents had kind of set up. And did that really freak you out when you first realized it? Well, it happened more slowly than that. The problem with bullying is, and in this situation, I think my sister and I who were in on it, you know, my, my mom was bullied by her brother. She was used to being bullied like that. I mean, really, she doesn't have, if you know the spectrum of autism, she doesn't have Asperger's, but she has a similar aspect about her that can, you know, it's easy to put her as a target. Mm -hmm. And I've had to work on being really much more kind to her myself. That's a whole other healing, but I just adapted into this. I didn't even see it until I finally woke up and saw it. And this was, you know, 11 years into marriage. And I started to realize, started to realize it when I did work on myself and my support group, I started to stand up for myself more. I remember I got a nose ring and my ex-husband's family, his grandmother was like, well, we can't love you with that. That is horrible. I mean, there was a lot of probably some bullying in there, but again, you know, I, I had set them up to do that with me. I'm not blaming them and I'm not blaming myself. It's just, I co-created that dance. And I think it's part of my journey as a soul to learn how to maneuver out of that. 
and to stand up for myself and to do that in a way that's compassionate, but also very, you know, empowered. And yeah, when I had this wake up call about my marriage, I did start to see it. And it kind of took me, it took my breath away a little bit. Just, you know, we have a blind, a blind spot's a blind spot until you see it. You, you don't know what you don't know. Once I saw it, I, I just like, what am I doing? That's part of my goal working with people in this, what we're talking about. It's like, when you get that blind spot in your focus, you can do something about it if you choose to. So I did, and I'm still working on it. Mm, yeah, it's life is an ongoing learning experience, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. not, it's definitely, well, it's not done. And I'm very <laughs> thankful it's not over, Bruce. I have, look, there's so much wisdom I feel that I've been grateful to harvest, yet, you know, everything I teach and I'm trying to connect around and share are all areas that I'm working on myself daily. That's really why I love these conversations. I work on it myself every day. Julie, as we move forward in the conversation, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness in your life? Mm, I goodness have a lot of people when I, you know, I'm going to say my, it's funny. I was going to go to like my grandmother and my husband. It's really this, this teacher I had, Heidi Most, Maryland University of Integrative Health. She changed my life. And is somebody, she's an acupuncturist and functional nutritionist and meditation teacher. And she really changed my life. And I saw a new way to be. So it started with her. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Julie? Oh my gosh. I mean, (laughs) I'm a fire sign. That's enough just to say that. (laughs) Um, It has helped me to navigate them in a way where I can stay at the bottom of the ocean, meaning I don't have to overreact. I can choose. I can feel, I can express without losing my whole self. And that's a daily practice. However, it's given me the ability to feel without using food and substance and to move through emotions and to be present and to feel, frankly, more connected to the divine. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Oh, gosh. I mean, <laughs> I actually think I. this has been years of practicing. I have to work every day, not work, but tune in every day to my breathing, I tend to go up to my chest and deep breathing, meditation, stillness. Um, I do a lot of in for six, out for six. I've done the four, seven, eight, which is the Dr. Andrew Weil breath. I, I mean, I use that all the time. That's my super ninja trick to get grounded, to get cleared and to feel like, you know, I have some space between what's happening and how to react. It's, 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 a, it's, a, life, it's a lifeboat. It really is a life preserver. Well, Julie, your book and book series, Get a PhD in You, is awesome. Are there any other books that you would recommend that are related to mindfulness? Oh my gosh, there's so many books. Look, a couple I would say, Buddha's Brain was one of the first one I read. The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer and The Untethered Soul, incredible. The Art of Possibility was a beautiful book. And I'm almost done with The Intention Experiment. Uh-huh. by Lynn McTaggart. These are just some, there's so many other books. This is just kind of what's in the forefront. But, and then I'm also a fan, my a dear friend, Hal Elrod wrote The Miracle Morning and it's all about getting in tune and meditating and mindfulness. And that's a beautiful book as well. It is a beautiful book. And he speaks so highly of your book. And I thought, oh, how does Julie get Hal Elrod to you know read and talk about her book? I mean, that's fantastic. Thank you. He's a sweetheart. Oh, yeah. That is a manifestation that has come through 
I don't know, inner wisdom and the divine. I, he's just, um, he's become someone I think of as a mentor and a dear friend and he's gone through a lot in his life and a lot, especially recently, even at post, you know, dealing with cancer. And I just saw him recently and he is one of the most beautiful human beings that is all about mindfulness and having everyone get that. So um, I'm grateful. He's a, he's a special one as are you. You both are. You both <laughs> Thank you know, you, emanate that. True. True story. Thank you. Can you share an app which can help with mindfulness? I mean, you've, we've talked about Medi- Insight Timer, of course. Maybe there's yes. another one. I really, well, I use Insight Timer. I mean, I use it every day. And I would say to me, that's one of the best apps out there. There's so many options. There's you know, water sounds, there's bells, there's guided, there's courses, there's silence, there's anything and everything you want. This is a little, (laughs) it's a little out there, but I actually have a deck of Oracle cards that I use. I have my own cards that I created. I don't have the app for it yet. So these, I have declaration cards, but I have these beautiful um, angelic Oracle cards. And I do sometimes use those when I'm feeling like I just want some guidance and wisdom. Just, it's very comforting and I will take a breath and I'll choose one and whatever I pick is what I'm supposed to read. So I, I love those. I have two sets of them on my phone. Believe it or not. And you're soon going to be making those available to other people. Yes, yes, yes. I have my cards. You can get them. There's a deck of them and the PDF, both printed and and deck. But yeah, no, eventually I will have an app with them as well. Oh, that's fantastic, Julie. That really is. Yeah. Yeah, Well, uh, Mindful Tribe, get yourself over to the website. It's Julie riesler.com j-u-l-i-e-r-e-i-s-l-e-r julie riesler.com riesler.com and uh, of course the website for the podcast is the u-s-t-e-s-t-y-o-u the usu.com is the website for the podcast and it is really a wonderful podcast and you've interviewed some tremendous people and then you're sharing a lot of information about yourself and you're kind of taking a turn with your podcast can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and the direction you're going with that yeah so you know i'm coming on to 2 years actually right around now and you know i'm just i did a u turn a while back where i just have decided to trust the queen of my heart, my intuition, and to follow that. And I realized, um, I think actually to kind of close the loop when I saw what was happening with the bullying in my life, I realized that I'd been a little scared and intimidated to step out of my spiritual closet, so to speak. And, you know, being a highly sensitive, intuitive empath, um, that means, you know, the way that I perceive information is through, I hear it, I see it, I sense it, I feel it, like all of those. I realize that we all have this in different ways. And I do believe it's it's crucial for each of us to trust it, to learn to use it. I think it's the gateway to unlock your USU. And it's interesting, Bruce, once I got clear on how I wanted to be in my life with you know my kids, my family, my ex-husband and all of that, I realized, wait a minute, I... I've been playing like a little small here because I've been scared and intimidated to really talk about this fear that I wouldn't be liked, which might happen. And I just made a, a U-turn and, and decided what really lights me up is inner wisdom and intuition. My whole life has changed by listening to it. So I created a Facebook community around it, which has been growing. It's a free community to talk about coincidences and evidence and signs and what it is and where you feel it and see it. And then I, I decided, you know, I really want my podcast. I want these interviews, not just to be these incredible 
experts and leaders and their what they've done, but also how is it that their superpower of inner wisdom and intuition has helped to guide them? I want to show people that that is the superpower, that is the treasure to follow. And so it's incredible what's happened in the last month or two in making that shift. And um, I've got to, I just spoke on Hal's stage about it. It was just an amazing experience. And now just started changing all of my guests and interviews to really focus on that. And, you know, there's a lot of people hungry for that support and community and really learning to trust and have faith in it. We're really taught how to go into our head and how to set goals. This is a different space. This is, again, it lives in a different land and I am really grateful. I feel like this is what I'm here to do. So that's why the whole shift is happening and it's just been so easy. And that's a good indication when you feel like things are flowing and easier versus pushing. I really think that's the time to listen in. I'm like, oh, of course this makes sense. So yeah, it's a gift for me. Well, Mindful Tribe, julieriesler.com. Check it out. Check out the book. It's excellent. I can assure you, get a PhD in you. It's a terrific book. Julie, thanks so much for being on the show today. I just want to thank you. This has been so much fun and, and hopefully very illuminating for everyone. And I just, I love your work. I love your energy and just appreciate you and what you're doing. So important. Thank you so much, Julie. Have a great rest of your day. Bye now. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, the Waves of Content Meditation. It's a guided meditation just for you, Mindful Tribe. It's free and it's very, very helpful to help you relax and get more focused. With more focus, you can get more things done in life that truly matter to you. On this meditation, I talk about waves and how the waves can bring you the more calm and more relaxed life you've been looking for. Download this guided meditation to calm your mind and relax your body. Mindfulnessmode.com slash waves of content. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.